as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, we wish things were different. We wish things were better. Uh, we even look back to times that maybe you felt like they were better. Um, and you feel like maybe now um, the freedom, you feel like it's great to be free, but you feel like it's the great squeeze coming. You know, that it's uh, getting less and less. And there, you feel as a believer maybe that you, your freedoms to worship are being slowly taken away. And that may be true. That may be true. Um, we, we don't know what the future holds. Uh, in fact, that brings up we're having an election. I don't know if any of you have heard that uh, in our country. <clears throat> and, um, you know, uh, I, you know, there's much that could be said about the election coming up. And I, I realize that uh, sometimes we have voted in the past and we've uh, felt particularly drawn to a candidate and, you know, got a bumper sticker, got, you know, uh, a t-shirt or this and that. Uh, but as I've talked to many believers, uh, very few of them are excited about the options, uh, the two main options or three main options, whatever they are, um, that are coming up. And I, I want this morning to just talk to you about what it's like for us to live in America. And when I say for us to live in America, I'm not saying as citizens of the United States or as people who live in this great country, but as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, as people that are gods, gods by possession, that he owns us, that he has changed us, that we are part of his family. And so that will be different. That will be different. And uh, uh, as we look to God's word this morning, <coughs> excuse me, um, I just want us to be mindful that it's going to look different for us as we walk with the Lord. Um, in the days ahead, uh, it will change the way our family looks. It will change the way our attitudes look. It will change the way our politics even look because we have been changed by the gospel that we're His. Let me pray for us, and then we will begin. I have seven points this morning um, for those of you who like to know. Let's pray. Hey God, thank you for this morning. Uh, what a blessing it already has been. And God, we ask for your direction as we look to your word. We realize that um, there are many things, many areas of our lives like this, but especially as we consider our country, uh, the place where we live, uh, the place where most of us are citizens of. And so, Lord, we ask that you would direct our thoughts. Um, God, I ask also that you would have... Uh, make us tender-hearted towards these things. Some of us hold on to things uh, that are not from you. Uh, they are not the answers that you would have us have uh, when it comes to living uh, these days down here on earth. We thank you for this time. We ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so, so this morning, uh, I want to tell you that as you look to the New Testament, as God's people were gathered uh, in the Gospels, Jesus began those followers, and then the church was established. I want to tell you that uh, the cultures and the cities that were God's people were in the New Testament were far worse than what we would, we've ever experienced here, uh, at least to the present. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at what God wanted them to do in their culture and their time. And I trust that these are the same things that uh, God would have us do here today. 
Um, and we look to what they were both called to and they were doing. Um, and this morning, I want to start in Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to just say it like this. They were confident, uh, confident in the gospel. Confident in the gospel. Um, it's interesting. We gain confidence from all kinds of things. From education, from money, from some kind of philosophical thought that, that we think we're smarter or uh, somehow got it together. But God's people in the New Testament found their confidence and found their hope not on the basis of those things, but on the basis that God had saved them in His Son, Jesus. And I love this, uh, uh, this, this picture of confidence in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And it's this idea that says, when you're confident with God, when you have things right with Him, uh, the stuff that's going on down here really uh, becomes much smaller. Uh, it shrinks. Uh, and it's the idea of these problems of this life, of even the pressures and persecutions around you, they shrink when you're confident in your relationship with God. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need what you get here is a picture of confidence it's it's so amazing that that we could come before our god with confidence that in our relationship with him that we could draw near to him in confidence that, that this isn't some scary thing, something that we go, oh, I, I can't proceed because I'm not right with God. He says, no, because of this grace that we have, because of the relationship that we have with Jesus, because of what he's done, we draw near to him with confidence to the throne of grace. And when, I, I find this interesting, when, uh, because uh, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Uh, when it's interesting, m most of us, we find ourselves in time of need a lot, right? Uh, we find ourselves a mess, either uh, we're in a real situation before us, or maybe even fearful of the days to come. We, we find ourselves anxious, and, and we go, oh, I, I find myself in need. I want to tell you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a place to go. You have a place to go. You, you don't have, because of what Jesus has done, you have now have a confident relationship with your Heavenly Father that because of what has happened to you in the gospel, you now have a place to run to with everything. And so uh, I want to tell you that number one is that to be confident in the gospel, that that would be your message, that that would be the, the thing that you cling to your relationships are falling apart that you, you could still say I but I know the one I have a relationship with Jesus Christ I'm forgiven in what he's done if you ran out of money or you ran out a long time ago and you just figured it out now uh, uh, if you ran out of money you say I don't, I don't have anything I don't know where to go you have a relationship a confident relationship with your heavenly father because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross 
What an amazing thing that we have a place to go to. We can be confident in the gospel. And, and I want to tell you, that's how you live today. That's how you live today. Not, not looking at the television and wondering what the next update is. Not, not looking, you know, watching the news and, and watching the political scene and saying, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in the election. It's going it's to really change my life. Or maybe some of us look to laws and things that are happening and uh, different job things and anything else. I want to tell you, it's confidence in the gospel, knowing that because he has made you right, you have a place to go to in your time of need. Time of need. Number two, and God's people um, were hoping in the Lord. Uh, right, that was one of the vacation Bible schools kind of songs too. My hope is in the Lord. It's a great song. Great song. I've been singing it this week. And some of you have been singing it, too, because they sent CDs home, and uh, your kids have been blessing your home with that. Anyways, it's just tough when you're like a cop or a fireman or correctional officer. You're real tough, and everything, you go to work, and you start going, it doesn't work out so well. Hoping in the Lord, hoping in the Lord. That's what they were doing. They were hoping in the Lord. They were hoping in the Lord. As we look at this, uh, there's a proverb, uh, Proverbs 21, verse 1. Uh, it says an important truth that, that it, it's important to see all the time when you look at rulers or kings. Um, it, it says this, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Um, m- much of our lives as common people... We look to rulers and leaders, kings and presidents, presidents who think they're kings, or whatever it is, you know, however that goes. And we look to that and we say, oh no, uh, but they're going to do this, and what's going to happen with this? But to know this, that behind every king, behind every king, and more importantly, is God, is God. That he has a plan and he's working out his plan and that his, the heart of every king and the heart of every queen and the heart of every ruler and the heart of every boss, that behind them is a God who is in control. I, I know it's hard to see sometimes and it's hard for us to consider and, and sometimes we look to kings to make things right. We look to leaders and uh, we wonder if this leader or that la- leader is going to help us be great again. I want to tell you, it's not looking to a man. It's hoping in the Lord. It's placing our hope in Him. It's looking to every day and saying, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I know that even the most powerful of persons that the Lord holds them in His hand. He, like he, his, he can change things. He can even change the coldest heart. And so they were hoping in the Lord. Thirdly, uh, thirdly in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and this might be a tough one for us. This might be a very hard one for us. Okay, I'm just warning you. I'm prepping your heart. Some of you are saying, oh, I need to be soft. And others of you would be going, I'm not changing. Uh, 
The third thing they were doing, they were praying for kings, praying for kings. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, this is uh, what Paul was instructing Timothy about living in a world and living behind uh, in a place where, as a believer, uh, as in a different place, in a different time, in a citizen, part of a city, in a culture, okay? Praying for kings. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And then he says this, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is a passage of prayer, but it's also a passage of submission to authority to find yourselves in that place. But it's also a passage that tells us what the church is supposed to look like. Did you catch that? Uh, let's look at it real, real quick. Um, in verse 2, what is the purpose of God's people? What, what sh- kind of lives should they desire to lead? A peaceful, quiet life godly and dignified in every way this is this is what god wants us to be this is where he wants us to stay quiet not loud mouths not not people with megaphones chanting not arguing and uh, being disruptive but but living the quiet life a life that's uh, made up uh, uh, that's marked by god a godly life and he says this, dignified, dignified. <clears throat> Some of us, as we look, we look upon our opponents and we see the way they're acting and it gives us license to act the same way. I want to tell you, this is not the way God's people are called to live. It's not. The way God's people are called to live is by prayer, by calling on the Lord and not just uh, for ourselves, not just this idea that we pray, uh, that we win, that we get our way, that our people succeed, but he calls on us to pray, to pray for kings and all who are in high positions. You know who that is? I'll just give you a couple. President Obama. President Obama. Uh, Governor Jerry Brown. Right? It, 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 the possibility as the days go on, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, someone else. I don't know. Uh, th- th- this is, he, he calls on us, and, and the two are connected. I, I, I want you to get this. You know, some of you wonder how to vote. I, I wonder how to vote. Um, you know, I might vote for Ray Vaughn. I don't know. Um, but, um, <laughs> Still deciding. I'm undecided. I'm undecided. Um, but uh, as, we, as we consider how do, how do you vote, you want to vote in such a way, I, I realize uh, you, you want to vote for someone who believes all the th- same things that you do. There's not a candidate out there like that. Not even your spouse, okay? Um, maybe especially your spouse. I don't know. But um, you, you wonder, I, I want to tell you, this is the verse 
that guides my thoughts? Who is a candidate that will help us and give us an atmosphere, a culture, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way? That they would leave the church alone. That we would do what God has called us to do. That may or may not happen. But I want to tell you that this is, this is the guiding principle for me as I consider uh, where to, how to vote and what to do. So prayer. Uh, we will do this in a few moments, that we would pray for our president, our governor, pray for our future. Um, we will be praying people, uh, both that God would grant them wisdom, that he would be the one to change their heart on different issues, and that... Uh, that they would see themselves as accountable to him uh, for all that they do. That was number three, praying for kings. Number, po- number four, sober of thinking. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and I want to tell you there's two other passages. This is uh, three times spoken of in the book of 1 Peter. It's this idea of sober, sober thinking. What were they doing? They were sober thinking. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be sober-minded, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. As you consider this, this idea of uh, controlled or, or sober thinking, obviously, for us, it, you think of alcohol right away. Uh, sober, you know, Drunk driving. Why, why is drunk driving uh, illegal? Well, it's dangerous, right? When you're not, uh, all your senses aren't there, it's dangerous for you and for others that would be around you. Uh, you're slow. You, your reaction time's not good. It's not good. It's the idea you've been out uh, forgetting about life. You've, you've enjoyed, you've, you've, th- you've set your cares aside and you've gone out drinking. And now to go driving, that's a bad idea, Right? It's the same way with spiritual things. And he calls us to be sober-minded, to be controlled in our minds. It's the idea of not being uh, reckless or given out or in a party mode. It's, it's the idea of being dialed in. Why? In, in this context, this last uh, time it's mentioned in the book of First Peter, why? Well, uh, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. It's not good to be drunk while the enemy's around. It's a sober thinking. And what does it say? Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I want to tell you, now is not the time to freak out. Now is not the, the time to take a mental, spiritual vacation. Now is not the time to take a nap. Now is the time for sobriety. Now is the time to say, i got to hold it together. I, I'm looking out at uh, quite a few moms and dads. Now is not the time for you to check out. It's not. I, I look at you grandparents and you say, oh, I'm tired. Don't be. Don't be. Uh, be focused, dialed in. Why? Because you, you have an enemy that's prowling around seeking for someone to devour. I, I wonder, you know, it, it's interesting uh, Young people sometimes think, well, you know, I'm young, I'm single. Uh, you know, now's the time to just, no, it's not. Now is a time for sobriety of thinking. 
that you be spiritually dialed in, that you walk with the Lord, you're careful about life. Why? Because now's the time. You have an enemy who's a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. And I want to tell you, now is not the time to freak out when you look at the future. Now is not the time to, to jump in to the back and forth, uh, to be a part of rallies and chanting and this and that and uh, getting on Facebook and don't get on Facebook. No, just don't. It's just a bad uh, political views and this and that and that, and that. Don't. Now is a time for sober thinking. And so this is what he called. Uh, God called his church to the book of First Peter. He calls for us today. Sober thinking. Number five. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, they, they lived, or they were living as citizens of heaven while on earth. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm a citizen. I was born here. Uh, this, is, this is the only place I've ever lived. Uh, in fact, I hate to say it to you, California is the only place I've ever lived. I'm embarrassed to say so. Maybe true my whole life. I don't know. But uh, it's the only place I've ever lived. It's the only thing I know. I, I'm connected here. There's a, there's a sense of pride to my uh, being from California and from being the United States and this great city of Tehachapi as well. I love it. I love it. But I want to tell you, as we live as with connections down here, God's people, some were Roman citizens, some were not, some were from other places, they, they had different allegiances, but I want to tell you this, the thing that guided them more than anything, more than anything, was not their citizenship to a city or country or town or uh, background, but it was the fact that they were citizens of heaven. Paul writes in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. America is great, but heaven is eternally great. Eternally great. I want to tell you that... Um, there should be an attitude in us here that we want to impact our world for Christ, that we are a part of this. We want to, in our community, we want to serve, we want to do things, we want to be a part of things. But when things go haywire, when things don't go our way, when they're not uh, allowing us or wanting us to follow after Christ, you stand back and you say, but I'm a citizen of heaven. But I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm, I'm not one who's, who's tied here. This is not my eternal home. I have, a, I have a better place, and I wait a Savior from there. As we look at this, we consider uh, this draws us to our second uh, um, part of this. That was number five. Number six is they, they lived looking forward to another kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 11, it even speaks in the Old Testament of Abraham being a man of faith. A man of faith. Uh, a man who God used and his faith. Uh, led him to do certain things. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 8, it says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place 
that he would receive an inheritance. And, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as, a, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And then it says this, verse 10, where he was looking forward to a city that has a foundation, whose designer and builder is God. This is what we look forward to. It's, that, it's not that we can see it all today. That's not that we can uh, uh, understand everything that's going to happen. But as we live as citizens of heaven, we look forward. We look forward to that different kingdom. We look forward to being a part of something greater. We, we have days to spend down here. We have energy to give to the Lord as we serve here. But we, we do that serving Him, looking forward to a better kingdom. And then lastly, in 1 Peter again, chapter 2. They lived in love, fear, and honor. Love, fear, and honor. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, in verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 13, uh, it says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether uh, to be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He says this, Live as a people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And that says this, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Some translations say honor the king. I want you to see those three categories right there. Love the brotherhood, God's people, love them, connect with them, and, and show love to them. Fear God. Fear God. This idea that we walk in right and import, uh, um, in right relationship with Him, that we're fearing Him, that we're He's the one that's helping us decide what to do and what not to do. Love the brotherhood, fear God. This is honor the King, honor the King. This idea, and you say, well, we don't have a King; we just have a president who's a common man, just like us. That's true. He's been given a place of honor in our country and sometimes it's hard to honor a person a person but i tell you as god has uh, uh, brought out his plan he's called us to honor those in position and, and this idea that we would be subject for the lord's sake to human institution you say well i'm a believer i don't have to he says yeah you are a believer you're free don't use that freedom that i've given you as a way to do your own thing, to talk in any way you want, to live in any way you want, but rather use that freedom to be a servant of God. And so he calls us, uh, he called those people, and he calls us today to live loving, fearing, and honoring. This morning, I'd like to lead us in a prayer, both for our country, our president, our governor, and for our future um, as we live in this great country. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I ask that your word uh, would be instructive to us this morning. 
as we have gone over it. I pray that these scriptures would ring in our hearts, uh, that they would shape us, shape our thinking, especially as we consider our role as living as your people down here for this time. God, we thank you for our salvation. It's not about where we live or the family we've been a part of. Our salvation is due to your work. You're loving us when we were in our sin. You're caring for us when we did not care for you. You sending your son as being that special, that special son who would do the thing that no one else could do, go to the cross on our behalf for our sins. And we thank you for the salvation you give to us by your grace. God, we're grateful uh, for our country, the, the country we live in. We're grateful that you have, through uh, the, from the very earliest days, blessed this country and allowed this country to be a great country, a country where great freedoms are enjoyed and the idea that your church has been able to thrive here. Um, God, we love it. We love it. We thank you for it. God, we, uh, as we consider our country now, I'd like to pray and, and lift up President Obama. God, I ask that you would work in his heart, that you would cause him not to look to himself for answers, that he would not look to his political party or his experience or his desires but that he would feel a sense of pressure and compelling draw from you, that you would work in his life, that you would draw him to yourself, that he might know what you would have him do and see his role as a servant, not as someone who does what they want. God, I pray this for our governor as well, Jerry Brown. God, I ask that you would cause him to uh, cherish that which is right, that he would look to the to, uh, to you and, and find answers, not in people, uh, polls or, or, or pressures, but that he would consider what you would have him do. God, I ask that you would draw these men to yourself. And God, I pray for our future, our future president, and I ask that you would be preparing the way for that as well, that you would cause your people uh, to represent you and that they would not, uh, as we are a part of the election process that we would not give up our testimony in desiring our own way. God, we place these people in your hands. We ask that you would do your work. And we pray for your church. Um, God, we ask that you would help us to stay focused on this idea that we would uh, live these quiet and simple lives, these lives where we are dignified and honoring you and all that we do that we would not give up our testimony, that both leaders would see that, as well as our peers, Lord, that you, that you would be honored here in our country and in our city. God, we also say that we don't deserve this. As we look at the freedoms and the enjoyment of this great place and the comforts, uh, we want to acknowledge that we don't deserve this. God, we ask that, uh, especially for this church here in this place, that we would seek to honor you in humility, that we would walk with you and be your testimonies, and that we would, uh, as we have been changed, that others might see that you are present here. God, we thank you for hearing our cries. We thank you for listening to our fumblings. We thank you for your patience with us. And we ask that you would be honored here in this place.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now is the time uh, we're going to share in a time of communion. So if the men would come forward and make ready the table. Um, as we consider this this morning, uh, I, I want to draw back to one of the points. I believe it was point number two. They hoped in the Lord. And as we consider this this morning, I want to tell you that this is a time of remembering the Lord. And when we become anxious, when we become fretful and freak out, we have forgotten the Lord. We've forgotten the Lord. And so he's instituted this as Jesus uh, left this earth. He, he put this in place. He says, remember me, remember me. And I have to believe that as he called us to remember him, he knew that there would be days like today where we are prone to forget that we would choose other directions, that we would choose other methods, but that he would want us to remember him. This is what we do this morning. We remember what the Lord has done on our behalf. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to participate in this time no matter what church you're a part of. Uh, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, we're thankful that you're here. We're grateful that you shared in this day. I hope that you have heard uh, that, that Jesus loves you and he cares for you and that he can forgive your sins, sins that you cannot forgive your, uh, get rid of yourselves. But that you would use this time to just reflect on what he has done for you and your need for him. I'd ask that you would all hold the elements and then we will uh, proceed together as we remember the Lord.